It is quite incredible. I'm supposed to be in announcements now, and there's no announcements, so I'm going to use this announcements time to, to speak a little bit about this, because this is a big deal for us. Uh, we do not understand, as Australians, I've been amazed at how, because Australia is a very safe country, it is a very um, center road country, you have middle left, middle right, you know, center left, center right, no one has been extreme. We've seen in America a move in the extreme left, and, and what's actually happening is we, you, a lot of people don't realize how important this election actually was. Because the left, which was once a center left, has actually taken an extreme left view. And if they had won this election, it would have been detrimental to the, the fabric of society in this country. And we're not happy because Scott Morrison is a Christian that he won or continues to be the, the prime minister. We are happy because he is the best person for that job, be he a Christian or a non-Christian. He is, and, and the fact that he holds, he holds to the faith that we do makes it even better for us. But as Edith said, this is my thoughts as well, there will be a lot of opposition because, the, the, put it this way, politics, this is the first time Australia saw politics, uh, a campaign run the way it was, where there was external attack from a far super left funded from the United States of America called Get Up. They were funded by the Democrats in America to disrupt our election. Things have changed radically. And the opposition party is in disarray. They've got to make a decision if they want to move back to the center left or if they want to remain extreme left. But put it this way, there is now an extreme left in our country that we have never seen before, and they will oppose everything that the government currently stands on. It was important that our government won a majority. I was up until I, was, I started watching at six. I never left the sofa except to go to the toilet. And I was up until one o'clock and I was watching the counts as they came in, just praying and praying and praying and praying. And a miracle took place. Australia is, sorry to all the foreigners who are only here for a short period of time, um, the greatest country in the world. And God bless Australia. <laughs> Seriously, we are, we are in it for an incredible season. This is an incredible season for us. We have an opportunity to, to move forward as, as the church. We have an opportunity to move forward at an incredibly rapid rate. Like I said, not because we have a Christian prime minister, but because God has established a government that is for us, the people. And, and we have shown that we are not going to be a far left country. In actual fact, this is my thoughts. For the next season, the left is going to go farther left, further left, should I say, and around the world. And they are going to launch an incredible attack across the world. However, governments that are going to be coming into place in key first world countries are going to be center-right. The next will be in England. England will go center-right again. And it's already pushing in that way through this whole issue that they're having, trying to get out of, trying to get a Brexit deal going, and they just cannot. There's a party member that stood up who brought about the, the initial uh, desire to move from Brexit, and uh, sorry, to move from Europe through Brexit, and and he has gained an overwhelming amount of votes among the people of England. I know you, a lot of us don't watch foreign news because I'm a foreigner from a third world country or a developing country, I've always grown up watching the, the worldwide news. I think that there's going to be a swing in that direction as God's going to assist uh, with that. But uh, nevertheless, I think the, the far left is going to become far more aggressive, far more loud. But it's, the minority is always very loud, as I said last week or a week ago, before that, right? This is an exciting time to be alive in this country. We are blessed to be here right now. I tell you what, I went to bed very happy last night, and I woke up even happier. <laughs> well done, Australia. Well done. You made the right choice. I was a bit concerned there for a moment. I was. I'm not going to lie. When you, when you listen to people, you just go, are you even awake and aware of what is going on around you? Fake news, man. Donald Trump was right, huh? Fake news. That's what they do. They, they, they produce fake news to try and... It's propaganda, guys. That's what it is. It's propaganda. And it was shown. We, we saw an incredible victory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Right, guys. I'm going to talk today 
on marriage. No children, no one under the age of 18. River doesn't understand, so he's okay. Um, I, I mean, it's not really going to be bad and hectic in the language, but I just felt, you know, if we, get, if we do move into that direction, it can... Um, I don't, want to, I don't want younger ears and parents to feel embarrassed you know, that their children are hearing this stuff, although you need to teach them about it yourselves. Someone at home group on, on Thursday, the guy said, we need to hear, you know, we must teach it in the church. And I said, no, we will definitely. We will, we will teach the younger adults, the teenagers, about you know, sex in the church. But Ben and Jess can do it, not me. <laughs> That's their problem. <laughs> My role, I'm, I get to preach today and I'm choosing no. Yeah. Now I want everyone just to just get out of the way. I want you all just to say, sex. Sex. Sex, sex, sex. Okay? Because we feel so it feels weird saying it. So just get out of the way. It's done. It's not an embarrassing word. We all do it. If you're not married, you'll one day do it when you get married. And if you like Paul the Apostle, God's got something special for you, okay? She is counting the remaining votes. My wife works for the Australian Electoral Commission, and she worked until 1 o'clock in the morning, counting, playing her role. I know some of you went and assisted at polling booths. Well done. I assisted by trying to get as many people at, at the, that I work with and know to actually understand policies they had no idea about. That was my role. I was very vocal about it, but people are just blind. They don't read. And when I said to them, do you know that this is the policy that labor hold, they were confused. They were like, I didn't know that. I was like, well, you need to actually read, and you need to watch the news, and you need to open your ears and listen. To the point where I had people going, well, I'm not going to vote for them then. And I said, that's exactly what my purpose was in doing that, is to, give you, is to open your eyes to the reality so that you can make an informed decision. Amen? Anyway, enough about the election. We are in a good place. Australia. Marriage. I want to speak about marriage tonight, today, this morning. I'm still on last night. I only had four hours sleep. It was worth it, though. I want to speak about marriage, and included in that, I want to speak about the, the, the uh, aspect of sex in marriage, you know what I mean, as part of it, okay? Not, we're not going to get raunchy. This is not a, a, a pornographic study. This is simply, um, we, want to, we want to continue through the book of Ephesians, as we've been doing, and we've been We've been speaking about everything from a spiritual perspective. So for those of you who haven't listened online or haven't have been missing for a few weeks or haven't heard, we, 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 want, we have been saying things like everything that happens in the spiritual realm is grounded out and plays out on earth and everything that we do in the natural has a spiritual implication. That is a reality. Whether you believe it or not, it happens. And the problem is that the church is so ignorant to the spiritual realm that what happens is the spiritual realm on the wrong side is actually dominating us. So we, the church, need to wake up, be awake. We heard Ben re read that scripture, and I'll, 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 I'll read it again today. To wake up and open your eyes, because we're sleeping. But when we wake up and open our eyes, he doesn't mean your physical eyes, he means your spiritual eyes. When you open your spiritual eyes and you see the ramifications of what's going on around us, where there are other gods that are leading over, over regions, small g gods, Elohim, not El Shaddai, the most high. El Shaddai is the most high, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator as we know him. He is called El Shaddai. Elohim means a plurality of gods. And there's multiple gods that people worship. But they are not the creator. They are not the most high. They cannot create. They are demonic powers and principalities. We see that through Scripture so clearly. If you open the Bible and read it, it becomes evident as you read page after page that there are spiritual powers and principalities that rule and govern over lives, over regions, over nations, over cities, um, and over, you know, over, over this entire planet. The planet that God gave to mankind. They rule over our planet. This is our domain. The terrestrial realm, they call it, is our domain. And we need to take it back. And that's why when Jesus came out of the grave, he took back the keys. He took back the authority and he had all of authority as the Messiah. And he gave that authority to the church. The same authority that God had originally given to Adam and Eve. Amen? And so marriage, as with every other aspect of our life, is a spiritual dynamic. It's not a natural dynamic. It's not just a vow that you said when you stood in a church or at an altar in front of some, um, what are they called, a celebrant or in front of a pastor and, and, you, and you put a ring on each other's fingers and then you were all married. That's not 
what marriage is. Marriage is a spiritual dynamic. Now, we've heard this said before, that marriage is a picture of the church in Jesus. I want to say this. It's not a picture of the church in Jesus. And I know that's shocking for some of you here, so I'm going to clarify it. The, the marriage is a representation of Jesus and the church. Let me say that again because it didn't sink in properly. Marriage is not a picture of Jesus and the church. It's a representation. A representation is far greater than a picture. You get that? A representation is far greater and far impactful than a picture. You hang a picture on the wall. You look at it. But when the, you put a picture of a person, if you go to... If you go to um, if you go to countries and inside, inside embassies, they'll have the picture of the, the leader of that country, the prime minister or president of that country will be in the embassy. And you can look at the picture, and that's a picture of that person. But when that person steps into that place, he becomes the physical representation of himself. Marriage is a physical representation and a spiritual representation of Jesus and his bride, us, the church. And that's why it is so important. I want to read to you, from Ephesians, but I know when you start getting into the marriage part of Ephesians, it starts in Ephesians 5.22, but I want to just go back a little bit to chapter 4, sorry, to, to chapter, yeah, chapter 5, verse, verse 6. So instead of chapter 5, verse 22, we're going to just quickly pick up because we lose, if you don't pick up the flow, marriage becomes, it's just a little excerpt. Well, that's the, that's the, verse, that's the, the verses on marriage in the Bible. But everything flows. It, the whole book flows. The whole letter of Ephesians and every other letter is, is a flow from one right to the end, from, from the first verse to the last verse. Paul didn't sit down there and then, and then decide to just put these chapters in. And, you know, chapter one, this is what I'll talk about. Chapter two, he just flowed with the Spirit as the Holy Spirit led him. So let's just quickly read through uh, chapter six. Do not be fooled by those who speak their empty words. And I'm reading from the Passion, by the way. Sorry, guys, I'm reading from the Passion, not the ESV today. Um, Don't be fooled by those who speak their empty words and their deceptive teachings, telling you otherwise. This is what brings anger, sorry, this is what brings God's anger upon the rebellious. Don't listen to them or live like them at all. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of your Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with the revelation light and the supernatural fruits of His light will be seen in you. Things such as goodness, righteousness, and truth will be seen in you. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. And don't even associate with the servants of darkness because they have no fruit in them. Instead, reveal, that, reveal truth to them. I love that. Servants of, servants of darkness... All we do is reveal truth. Truth undoes everything. Love destroys every sin. The very things they do in secret are too vile and filthy to even mention. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. I love that verse. Whatever revelation light, which is truth, whatever it exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. That is why the scripture says, Arise, you sleeper, or awake, you sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and the anointed one will shine his light into you. So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorable with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for God's purposes. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. And do not get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And your heart's will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Yahweh. Keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture, singing singing songs or singing the Psalms with praises 
and with spontaneous song given by the Spirit. Always give thanks to, the, to Father God for every person He brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. Or another way of saying it is, out of, out, and out of your reverence for Christ, submit yourselves to one another. Now listen, in the context, for wives, this means being supportive to your husbands, like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. Now, in the Greek, that word supportive, or the same word as supportive or submit, is not existent. So it can actually be read like this. For wives, with your husbands, be tenderly devoted to our Lord. Okay? For the husband, some scriptures say, is the head. Now, I want to just quickly mention here, the head of someone has multiple meanings. The head means origin. He is the head. He is the origin. God, when, when, when it speaks about a man, Adam, man was the head of woman, meaning he was the origin of woman. It also means leadership. Jesus is the head, the leader of his church. Okay? So there's been a lot of mess in the oppressive era where women were oppressed and in some religions still oppressed and in some Christian circles still oppressed by this. But you need to understand as we read this, that when you, it is impossible, friends, for oppression to occur if we walk in perfect alignment with God's truth. So we need to realign. We need to realign how things are. Yes, there is a governing head. Jesus over all things. Yes, in the family line, there is a head. There is a leadership structure and how it is modeled out. When it is oppressive, it is of the enemy or it is of the flesh. It is, the enemy, it is of the enemy at worst and of the flesh at best and of, and, and of religion in the middle, which is probably part of it more, more towards the enemy side. But, but when we align properly with God, then guess what happens? It brings life and flourishment. Now, I'll get on to a few things, and I'll, pressure, I'll push a few points and, and stuff, but I want to get through this uh, portion of Scripture first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have a little chit-chat, right? Okay. So for, let's read it again as it's written here, okay? For wives, this means being supportive and submissive to your husbands, like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church, as the Savior and reviver of the body. In the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love, agape, for your wives. Not filio. Not, um, not, a, not a friendly love. Not a brotherly love. Not a lustful love. It's agape love. Not an eros love, which is erotic love. You are to demonstrate agape, an unconditional love for your wives. With the same, this is a, this is a hard one for us because we fail at this regularly, with the same tender devotion that Christ himself demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault, without flaw, without wrinkle or blemish, it says. Let me just stop there for a second because I, I just, I, otherwise I'm, I, I might forget to get back there. There's this thing here about what wives, and I've, I've been in, I'm from South Africa, and it's a conservative place, and, and, and in, 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 the, in, in the negative sense, I've seen um, heavy-handed rulership, but Paul says, do not rule over like the pagans, okay? I've been in countries like Australia where the, the, the opposite occurs. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a rising up of, of, of strong women, and I think it's, it's positive in both senses, but it's also negative in both senses, right? And we've got to be able to find, find God's truth. And so I don't want anyone to get offended as I speak and, and listen, listen rather to, to the end than make an assumption when I mention one thing. Let me explain this to you. 
when men don't lead properly, women will rise up out of their God-given position and have to lead in a way that God did not design them to lead. And that's a struggle for them. And it creates conflict because it's out of balance with the way God wants it to be. It is a marriage is a complete and absolute partnership. Every person playing their role. Just like the fivefold gifts we spoke of a couple of weeks ago. The apostle first, he comes in ahead of, not above, ahead of. Then the prophet, then the pastor, then the evangelist, and the pastor teacher. In an order, a governing order. Okay, and, and, and there's, a, there's a difference between leading from above and leading in front. And I heard this one lady actually preach on this years and years ago while I was in Brazil. She, she was a Westerner, but we were in Brazil, and she said this. She goes, it's like riding on a horse through the jungle, the husband at the front, the wife sitting behind him, holding on. Together, they're on a journey. The Oftentimes, she, she said of herself, I try to reach over and grab the reins from my husband and say, no, we need to go left, rather than allow him to lead the pony in that direction. And then if he makes a wrong decision, not to get off and go, right, out of the driver's seat, I'm getting in because you messed up. Because that's, that's where we've got to as society. I'll give you a chance, but remember that time you messed up? 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 And that there is how we operate in the confines of marriage. That is not a healthy relationship, friends. Jesus doesn't deal with us that way. It's not a supportive role. Jeez, man, I'm, there's no one in the front row, which is great, because I'm, I'm actually... Mm, gee, man, I don't know what's going on here. There is... There's a spray going on everywhere around the front. It just stay, stay out of the way. My Bible is completely wet. But there's, this is the problem. And you can see it in society. Watch TV. Watch sitcoms. I used to watch sitcoms. I don't even watch them anymore because they, they became so rubbish. But the man sat as this dumbass, if I can say that in church, bloke who just sort of was a bit dipsy, didn't make good decisions, foolish, wanted to go hang with his mates, drink his beers, watch his sport. And the wife was the one who was keeping the family together, making it work. And that's, and, and that's where their conflict was. A bloke making bad decisions and a woman making good decisions and becoming the leader of the family. And I'm going, that is a depiction, a true depiction, it actually is, of how Western society has gone. But that's not God's depiction. God wants a partnership. Husbands, stepping in front of, leading the wife. When the arrows from the enemy comes, we are there to protect our wives. We are there to protect our family. Amen? And our wife is supporting us. That's fine, love. This is the wisdom I give you. I've been married twice. My first wife, both my marriages were absolutely phenomenal. My current one, obviously, is phenomenal. My previous one was amazing as well. They are both very different, but they are both extremely amazing. And, and I, I was not divorced. I lost my wife. So, but, and I lost her, loving her right to the end. We never, ever once spoke about divorce. That was not a conversation to have. I remember at one point when, when she, was, she was very, very sick, she said, I, I, I need to release you. I, if, if you want to divorce me, you don't have to go through this with me. And I just said, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. This is never going to happen. You know what I mean? So the conversations are never, the D word is never used. Why? Because there's no option for that. We love each other and we want to journey and partner life through ups and downs together. My current marriage is phenomenal. Very different, very spacious, two different people. And the two people becoming one, which we'll speak about in a moment, becomes one new person. How I was as a person and me and Pharaoh were married, how we were and how myself and Naomi is, is completely different. Our gift mix is so different. So the one person we've become is different. And it's so amazing to partner together. But both my wives um, and my current wife is incredibly wise. And, 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 and I listen to what she says. But I will, I will also say to her, I, I really feel from God that this is the decision we need to go in. And if I make a mistake, I must admit, she never ever says, I told you so. That is the, that is the word of truth. She never says, I told you so. We just work through the problem to get, a, to get out of it together. And then when it's time to make another decision, she will always add wisdom. And oftentimes, more often than not, I'll actually listen to the wisdom she gives. On the occasions when I don't, I don't always get it wrong. I'm not saying, you know, guys don't always get it wrong. We get it right. 
on the occasions where I was going to go in the opposite direction and she gave wisdom and I went in the right direction, it went right. Good for us. There were times when I didn't listen to her opinion and her, uh, and her advice and I made a decision and it went wrong. And she never ever, the next time when I came to making a decision that was opposite to what, I, what, what she felt we should do, she never once said, remember then, remember when, remember the last time. Because that's not the way that we operate. It's not the way God wants us to operate. It's not the way we operate in the church. Jesus gives us freedom. He gives us freedom. You make a choice for your own life. He doesn't tell you what to do. And then you don't obey him. And then he goes, you're on your own now. Remember last time you didn't want to listen to me? Go do it by yourself. He gives us a commandment. We choose otherwise. And he says, right, let's work through this to get us back on track again. That's what he does. That's absolute forgiveness. That's absolute unity. That's how he leads us. He leads us, and if you want to have freedom and you want to have people freely love you, you need to create opportunity for them to choose other than what you say. It's the same in marriage. You have to, I remember this, someone once said it to me, and I've used it every time I've done marriage counseling. They said this the one time. We sat down, and uh, actually, I wasn't sitting with him. I was sitting and listening to this person speak. He wasn't talking to us, but he was. And he goes, he went, marriage. He goes, the number one issue you will face in marriage is this. You are a man and you are a woman. That is it. That is your number one issue. And I just thought that is incredible. Because you take that for granted. You are a man and you are made like this by God. And you are a woman and you are made like this by God. Together, you are so different to each other. Sorry, sorry. Apart from one another, separate, you are, you are so different to one another. But together, you become one new flesh. You need each other. We need each other. Husbands need wives. Wives need husbands. Husbands need good wives, noble wives. Wives need good, honoring, loving husbands who will give them protection, give them love, look after them. And look what it does. Washing them with the word, he says. All that he does is designed to make us mature, sorry, to make us a mature church for his pleasure. Until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy without fault. Let me ask you this, husbands. How often do you wash your wives with the word of God? Sober, sober thought, by the way. Very sober. How often do you wash your wives with the word of God when you speak to them, when you pray for them, pray over them, giving, giving words of life? Because our role, just like Jesus' role, remember this, we have, see, we go, oh, you see, women need to submit. Awesome. Well, men, you need to love them exactly the same way that Jesus loves his church. You actually need to wash your wife so that you present her, and I, you present her before God as radiant, as beautiful, as mature, as flawless, as glorious, a praise. Our wives, when we present them before God, should be a praise unto him. How's that for a very difficult pull for us men to swallow this is a revelation god gave me years and years ago he said this to me i'm going to entrust you with my daughter and your role is to present her before me radiant and glorious and i've held that every single day that i've been married to my previous wife and to my amazingly beautiful wife now every single time I want to get frustrated every single time there's an opportunity to have an argument or to disagree with each other. And, and, and I must admit, like me and Naomi, just, we really never argue. It's amazing. Because we just said, is it worth, what's gonna, what is this argument going to solve? Is it going to solve anything? Or if we have a discussion, can we actually resolve the issue? Yes, we can actually resolve the issue. And I've always held that when the frustration comes and, and, you, and you, you want to react, not respond, I've always had that thought. She is my daughter. I've given her to you, and you are to present her to me radiant. I do not want her to come to me with bruises, with brokenness, with a torn shirt, with any type of emotional issues. I want you to be the one who brings wholeness to her like a savior, healing to her like me, the savior, who presents her beautiful and radiant before me. That's what I hold to every single day. And it is it's a humbling thing. It is a challenging thing. And, and, and I think that we as men need to be challenged in that. Now, I'm not a woman, 
So it's hard to speak to ladies. And I wish that uh, Naomi was here and she could say something. But it's this. Women, wives, you need to learn to be supportive and submissive. And I don't mean submissive in the negative sense. Please hear it correctly. Supportive and submissive are the same words. To support your husbands as, as the head of that home. Give them opportunity to make mistakes and then to work alongside them to rectify it. I like that. That's a good little fridge magnet. It is actually a good one. Coming under the mission of the other. We, we need to allow, well not we, sorry, you, because unfortunately I have to speak to you like that because I'm, I'm not a female, I'm not a wife. But, but we, women, wives have to allow their husbands to make mistakes. And, and, you, and you have to support them in decisions and give them, say, it's hard because, because society has, has created such a, 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 a horrific view of what that looks like that it's hard to even preach to you, to say to you, you need to submit to your husbands because I know what Western society has done. It's tragic. I know what the, what the Middle Eastern society has done with this. I know what the African society has done. I know how women are so oppressed. And, you know, this tattoo on my arm, which was inspired by my wife, which I call Woman of Silence, is how religion has, has marred women and silenced their mouths. But yet there's an underlying beauty. And my previous wife fought for um, the, the, um, the release of women from, oppre- from oppression. That was one of her biggest things, women and children. And that was one of her biggest missions. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, uh, we, we saw it happen, but, but, but we need to see it so much so. In Australia, we have an issue. There's an issue here with, with uh, domestic violence. Um, you need to understand from a spiritual perspective how this began. And I've spoken to a few people about it, and, and I'm sure some of you here might, might uh, confirm what I'm saying. But remember, we were, uh, this nation was birthed out of a, out of a, a, um, a prison. It's a prison island. Convicts came out here, rough, hard People that didn't fit into society in the UK were sent out on ships, predominantly, predominantly men. They came out here, they were rough, they had to start society. And, and, and so they came with this, this, this spirit came along and established itself over this nation that came out of the UK. Remember, spirits can follow around. They've been given, they've been given authority and delegated authority to different regions. And I'm running so short a time, it's unbelievable. But the men took a position under a spirit that was dominant and aggressive. And they had to send prostitutes out here to come and help calm things down and to help, in a sense, a bad way, and I, I don't want to use this term, but to service a need of sexu- sexuality for men. And so these women were, were pushed around and they were taken advantage of. And so they began to rise up and become super strong over the situation because they had to do that. And that is has what's been governed over our nation for so long. But our role, as we step in as born-again Christians, as sons and daughters of God, our role in stepping in is to shift and change that atmosphere by bringing in an atmosphere of God's kingdom. And we do that by how we are as a husband and wife. That's why we are a representation. When a husband and wife live in perfect union with one another, under God, honoring one another, doing the roles that God has called them to play with each other, it is a representation and it is a shifter of the dimensions over our nations. This country, like many others, need to see solid marriages, solid marriages with our um, older community, solid marriages with our middle-aged community, solid marriages in our younger community, young men and women wanting to get married. You need to learn how to operate as good, solid team members, husbands honoring wives, wives honoring and being supportive of their husbands together. It has to happen. It has to be under God and in God. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body, but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. That's amazing. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold 
to his wife, or the word is be united to his wife, since the two have become joined as one flesh. Where else do we, where else do we see that? We see that in Genesis. A man shall leave his mother and father and shall be united to his wife, and the two shall become one. We see Jesus speaking about that in Matthew 19, verse 4 to 6. He uses the exact terminology. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, and the two shall become one flesh. Mark 10, 6, Jesus says it again. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be love and lovingly hold to his wife since, since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is a beautiful design of the Almighty. A great and sacred mystery. Marriage is a mystery, guys. It's a mystery. It's meant to be a vivid example of, of Christ and His church. See, it's not a picture. It's an example, a representation. So every married man should be gracious to his wife as he is gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted and supportive to her husband. Now, friends, I want to talk about this. Two becoming one flesh. How does that happen? This is a mystery, but it is a reality. It is a spiritual reality. You become one flesh at the moment that you consummate that marriage, which means the moment when you have sex. That moment is one of the most powerful moments to take place when a married couple first come together. It is the, it is the bonding of those two people with each other. It is the joining of two persons making them one. You have made your vows under God and in front of witnesses, which is how they did it in the old days. This is how the Hebrews did it. They did it in front of the community. They stood under a thing which is called a chopper, which is like a shawl, a prayer shawl, and the minister would stand there under that shawl, which was the covering of God and a witness to God in front of the witness of the community, and they would make a vow before God as to how they would respond, react, and live towards and with one another. That's why you do your vows. And then they would go, before the party began, friends, let's tell you, we go to the reception and we have a bit of a shindig, we, we do our first dance, we cut the cake. In the Hebrew culture, after that, the people would go stand aside, they would go up behind a tent, or into a tent, and they would make love. They would enter into the act of sex, which was the consummation of the marriage, and then they would come out, everyone would clap and celebrate, and it would go on for days. That was the cutting of covenant, right there. And everyone's waiting <laughs> to watch them come out. Yes. Yes. Blood covenant. He took it a bit deeper there. That's, that's a bit of the old... Uh, that's old, that's old school teaching right there. But he's true. The woman has a harmon because it breaks and the covenant is cut in blood. Every covenant under God is cut in blood. The op, the, in, in the scriptures and even today, friends, there is sex is used in, in demonic rituals. Okay? In, 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 the, in the days preceding Jesus, there, there was sex. You, you, you read in the scripture, it says, Temporal prostitutes. What were they there for? They weren't, the, they weren't temporal prostitutes outside um, the, 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 the Israel temple on the Temple Mount. These are temporal prostitutes in these Greek cities and villages where you would go and pay to have sex with a woman, a prostitute, so that it was worship unto whatever god it was that was over that region. In, in Ephesus, it was Diana or Artemis. Artemis and Diana are the same person. She was the goddess of fertility. The, the statue of her, she has multiple breasts because she, had, she was the goddess of fertility. Outside her shrines, which is where Paul wrote this letter in that city, or sorry, to, that, to that, the church in that city, um, was there was temple prostitutes. You would go, you would pay your money, you would enter into sex with that prostitute, and you would be cutting covenant with a spiritual God, binding yourself to this person and binding yourself to that spirit. Quite something. Fast forward into our age, into our generation now, where sex is just a... A, a pleasurable thing. I, I, you know, we do it because it's, it feels good and, and it's become casual. 
What we don't realize is that when we do this outside of the covenant relationship under God is we are opening ourselves up and you are joining yourself with somebody outside of covenant. And when you do that, outside of covenant with God or under God, should I say it that way? Outside of, because if you, if un, unsaved people, when they enter into marriage, they are entering into a covenant. This is a, this is a, it's one of those principles like sowing and reaping. It's, it, it transcends outside of just being a Christian. It, it transcends to all of creation. When they enter into that act with someone, or when you enter into that act with someone outside of the covenant, what it does is it, it opens up opportunity for oppressive spirits to attach themselves to you and your relationship. And then you go, people, young people go, and they have multiple partners throughout their lives, and they're constantly soul-tying themselves to these different partners. And whatever those partners are tied into, you are getting tied into. And there's this big, massive mess in our culture and societies today. Because young people have just run around, or all of people, you, because we're all young once, I'm still young, but we went around doing foolish things, not understanding the implications. And we know when we get people, when people that have been living outside of, outside of uh, Christ uh, get born again, one of the things we do with them all the time is break the soul tie. Break the soul tie of every single other person that they've had sex with. Break it off them, bringing renewal. And I can tell you something, you, you wouldn't understand how hard it is to do that. It is one of the most strongest, radical, emotional um, journeys that a person will go on is to break that soul tie, particularly for women, more so than anything, because women are more emotional than men in that way. But w to break it off is, is really, really hard. And you watch the emotion that some people go through. Don't play around with it. In, in marriage, this becomes the most exciting and amazing thing. And a friend of mine once said to me, he goes, when you, in those days, and, and even today where, where there's temple prostitution, and, and, and let me tell you, in the Kosa community, which is an African community, young boys, through initiation, have to do a whole lot of rituals. One of those rituals is homosexual acts to become a man. Now, that's a spiritual dimension that's being opened up over that closer community. It's, it's rough in places like Africa. It's rough in places like India. So, so the, in, in Satanism today, um, entering into these acts of, of sex is, 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 is still rough today. It's still happening in Western cultures today. There was a cult in America um, a couple decades ago that was involved in, in, in doing these rituals under, in the name of Jesus. The, 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 the husband and wife, who were the leader of this church, were sleeping with people as part of worship. And then they quickly got caught out and shut down by the police. Thank God for that. But what happens is, when you, when you enter into that act outside of the covenant, it creates destruction. It opens up demonic realms. But when you do it as a husband and wife, and particularly when we're born again, we're opening up realms. So let me say this to you. Love making between a husband and wife opens realms. Now, I know guys are getting excited about that. Go, my one friend says to his wife, hey, hey, love, why don't we go open some realms? <laughs> and I thought, that's a great saying. Let's go open some realms. Let's go and open a realm over our family, over our life. Now, I want to read you something, and I'm running out of time. How, how long do you guys, how long can I have? 15 more minutes? I've never had that kind of reception before. Let's go to... Um, Let's just quickly go to 1 Corinthians. Okay, for the sake of time, let me, just, let me just say this. You can go read 1 Corinthians 7, right? 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 16, where Paul speaks about marriage. He says this, a husband and a wife, you, you must not deny each other or hold back your, 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 your conjugal rights. Do not hold that back from one another, except for a period of time where you can go and fast and pray, but then quickly come back together. He's not talking about come back into the room and sit and watch TV together. He's going... If you need to abstain from, these, from having sex, do it to go and pray, to go and spend time with God, devoting yourself to Him for a moment, but then immediately come back after that so that Satan may not tempt you. Why? Because friends, making love to your wife, to your husband, is a powerful weapon against the enemy. Now, we... Yeah. We, 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 we need to understand that. It is a spiritual dynamic that takes place. The whole, 
action of it is, is that representation of, of Christ and the church becoming one flesh. The seed that going into, the head going into, the male head going into the female, connecting us, becoming one flesh from that moment. The realms of God are opened over a couple when that happens. And the whole experience, even down to the physical feeling that we experience when we have an orgasm, is is a spiritual is a is a as a representation of the spiritual experience that we have when we are with when we are eternally with God. Do you think that a physical orgasm in the human body is going to be better than what you're going to feel every single day of your life for all of eternity while you wonder in the perfect, pure presence of God? It is only just a minute amount and a fleeting one at that. And my wife was like, please don't share too much information with them about us. And I said, I won't. I just, but I do want to share this to say, that, to, to say this. We, have, we often speak about it, me, me, me and my wife. We often speak about this. And, we, and it's quite amazing that after and during that physical action, we always say, the, the, we, I just said, I feel so connected to you right now. This is the most, I feel so connected. There's no closer I can be than, than where I am right now. And even afterwards, it's not just thank you, awesome, put the TV on, watch a movie. <laughs> you actually lay with each other and you spend time talking to each other and loving and touching each other's bodies because that is what marriage is all about. It's about being united with one another and that act enhances that. It's not about lust, friends. Get the lust out of our minds. That's childish behavior. It's, it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool in the hands of a, of a, of a married couple to be able to operate under the covenant, through not only the act of sex, which brings you and makes you one, but also um, through just working with one another in the right order as husband and wife. Husbands loving your eyes. And I, and I was reluctant to share this. I shared it at home group, and I said to Naomi, do you think I should share that on Sunday? And she says, yes, I think you should, um, because it's, it's not pride, but I do feel proud in some sense. Not in a prideful, oh, look at me, I'm a hero. But, but it's the best thing my daughter's ever said to me we're at, we're after the age of 13. Because, <laughs> you know, when you've got kids, they, 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 you, you're a hero. Your dad's a hero. Then they turn into teenagers and something happens. You know, you're not, you're not a hero. Yeah, you go to zero. You know, you, you're a disruption to their life, you know. But one day I'm in a shopping center and Rhea comes up to me and she just gives me a hug and she says, Dad, I just want to thank you. And I said, what for? And she goes, for showing me what a husband should be like towards his wife. You have given me, this is what she said, you have given me hope that I'll be able to find a good husband in my life because looking around at all the boys that I know, there, there isn't any. And she goes, I want to thank you for how you were with my mom and I want to thank you for how you are with Naomi because you're showing me a picture of what this should be like. For me, that is the most important thing that my daughter has said to me in her, adult, in her young adult life as a, as a teen. And, and I... And I I don't take that as going, oh, look, I'm doing this right. But I actually took it as quite a weighty thing. I actually sat about it. I've thought about it quite often. And I've looked at that and I've gone, I didn't realize, God, just how much of an impact that makes. I was always, and I have always been, and I am now. Me and, me and, me and Naomi will we'll kiss passionately if Rhea is there. It doesn't matter. We'll kiss each other. We are very tender and affectionate towards each other. I'll rub her feet and touch her body and give her a cuddle. And we don't, we're not getting raunchy and randy. We, we're just being who we are. Because I want my kids, and you should want your kids, and you should want people around you to see, hey, this is what it's like to be in a good relationship. This is what it's like for a husband to love his wife and for a wife to love her husband and to look after each other and to honor one another and to speak tenderly to each other. We don't speak harshly to each other at all, actually, funny enough. Let alone, don't speak like that now in front of the kids, but we'll go behind closed doors and have a screaming match. So, so in my last five minutes, let me just say this. I'm not going to read more scriptures. There's much more I could read through. And I, I really wanted to come in here, and I just felt just to speak, just to speak as who I am to, to you guys. Stop fighting. Stop dealing with each other with, in anger. Don't have arguments. Sit down and discuss things. Go away. Think about it. Think about yourself. Think about how you added to this and what you've done to cause this issue and go in there with this attitude. I'm sorry. I apologize for the way I responded and acted and what I did. I should never have done that. It's not right. It's not acceptable. I didn't honor you in that situation. 
and I take responsibility. And the other spouse does exactly the same thing. Now you're working as a team. It's not the blame game anymore. Secondly, men, don't leverage this, what I've said. Well, you don't deny me my conjugal rights. You sweetie said we must have more sex. That's not how, if you walk out of the hell with that, you've misheard the message. Okay? You, you, and, and, and sex is not just, a, well, we need to do it now because we haven't done it for three months. Let me tell you this. Do it as often as you can. Just, just enjoy each other in that way. It's, 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 it's designed. God designed us for that. You know? And, 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 and if, you, if you can't for some reason, that's okay. Because there's obviously um, biological things happening. That's okay. We can understand that. But, but, but that doesn't mean you can't be tender with each other. There's other ways of engaging physically with each other than just that. But engage with one another. I know it's hard sometimes to sit and hear that. Oh, you know, we haven't, we haven't had sex for like two months, you know. It's on my birthdays and her birthday, you know. And even on her birthday, she's not keen. That's the world, man. That's the world speaking. That's not, that's not God's creation, you know. Love each other. Be tender in front of your kids, in front of your, in front of your family members. Let them see a picture of what marriage is like. I hope that my parents, because my parents don't have a great marriage. They've, they're up and down. They've got their own, they live their own separate worlds. And one day I even said to my mother, I said, I said, she was saying, oh, you know, your father does what he does. I'm, I'm not his keeper or something along those lines. I said to her, I said, actually, do you know what? The two of you are one. You should actually be operating as one person, not, not as these two divided people. He's doing his life and you doing your life. I said, that's not how it works. I said that to my mother as an adult. And then I model it out for her. I model it out for my daughter. I hope we model it out for people in our lives. When you come into my home, I'm not ashamed to kiss my wife in front of you. She, Hold on, love. I'm teaching home group now. It's not a kissing time. If she's just walked in the door, I'll kiss her. Why? Because she's the most important person on this planet to me. Now, let's, to, let's talk about some order quickly because I've, got, I've still got five minutes here. I'm going to finish a quarter past. <laughs> it's, it's quarter past, okay? Everyone see your watches? Quarter past, okay? Quarter past. Is it working? Yeah. No, it is. Okay. You need to order your life correctly. This is how it works. This is what, this is, I'm giving this as, as what I believe the, the right order is. Number one, our ministry, first and foremost, is before God. As an individual, and then as a couple, and then as a family, and then as a community. Our ministry, for me personally, Brad, my ministry, number one, first and foremost, me and God. The next person in my life is our minister to my wife. She is more important than anyone else. Harsh to say, she's more important than your kids. He's more important than your kids. But a very close third after God, Naomi, is Rhea, is my daughter, your children. And that is my family unit. That, that is my closest unit. I would drop everything for my wife and my daughter. In that order. I ministered before God, and then I go and I minister to my wife, and before my wife, not before my, sorry, to my wife, and then I minister to my daughter. Do I get it right all the time? No. Why? Because we make mistakes. But we pick ourselves up, and we make right. Order your life. Put your life in order. Your ministry, your job, your children are not more important than your spouse. Your job, your cars, your belongings, your money is not more important than your kids. For the context of this, I'm not talking about children today. I'm talking about married couples. Husbands and wives, stop fighting. Husbands and wives, get help if, you, if you're fighting. If you can't connect with each other, get help. Why? Because it is the most important thing that you did in your life was that you made a covenant, a covenant under God and before God and before witnesses that you would honor and respect and live out your life with that person and then you joined yourself as one to that person. Without that person, you are not one. I felt the loss of a loved one, and when she went, I can tell you right now, I was absolutely lost. I had to learn how to relive as a completely different person because I had not lived as, a, as, as one individual by myself for so many years. I'd lived as one with somebody else, her gifting adding to my life. And I thank God because I would never have maintained any longer that he brought down my path. Another beautiful woman. I remember him giving her to me and he said to me, I'm giving you another daughter to continue the life journey with. I want you to love her. I want you to care for her. I want you to bring her up in my ways. I want you to present her to me radiant. And I was delighted. I knew I was going to marry Naomi after I had known her for four weeks. I just knew it. I knew it. And she had to get through her own stuff, and she did. And that wedding was phenomenal. I tell you what, it was one of the most ex exciting experiences I've had to get to know her, to get to marry her, to make my vows before God, and to then to become one flesh with her. And we 
just love the journey that God's given us. It is exciting. We cannot do it alone. For those of you who don't have spouses, if you feel like you like Paul to be single, God's grace will be upon you to do that. But if you don't, let me tell you this. Get on your knees, pray. God has someone for you. He will give you somebody. If you've lost somebody and you want somebody else, God will give you somebody else. But I tell you this, for those of you who are married here today, for those of you who are listening in, honor one another as husband and wife. Love each other. Present one another before God because you are both son and daughter of God. God has only given you to each other on loan for a journey on this earth because in heaven you're not married. But on this earth, he has so joined you together because he has a plan and a purpose to reveal and to manifest his kingdom through your marriage. Amen? Thank you for listening. So why don't we pray quickly? That's awesome. Why don't we pray? For those of you who need a husband or a wife, for those of you who are struggling with your marriage, I'm not going to ask people to put their hands up and do all those things. You know who you are. You've got to take this before God. Have a conversation with your spouse. Go and talk about it. Go, listen, we need to sort some stuff out here. We need to work with each other here. We've been working against each other. We need to fix this up. We need to pray together. Start by praying with each other. Have your long prayers that make your dinner cold, but pray with each other. Pray in bed. Make love. Be tender. Touch each other's bodies. Kiss each other passionately. Go on holidays together. Spend as much time as you can when you're at home, rather in front of the TV, speaking in the room, talking to each other. Father, we pray. So put your hand on your heart, your head, whatever you want to do. If it's a mindset change you need, put it on your head. If it's a heart change you need, put it on your heart. Father, we thank you that you are the almighty God. You are above every other God. You are the creator God. There is no God like you. Every other God is just a lesser power that just attaches itself to the things of men. But you sit as sovereign, supreme, and glorious. I want to pray for a number of people today, Father, for those who are unmarried, who desire a spouse, a partner. You know, you know their hearts, you know their desires. I pray along with them, that you would bring somebody down their path and they would connect with one another in a very deep emotional way and a friendship way that would translate into them being joined together as one in you. For those of us today, Lord, who are married, I just pray for your peace and your blessing to just so powerfully manifest over their lives that it would completely transform them into just being dynamic representatives of you and your kingdom, of you and your church. Father, I just pray for troubled marriages, for strife in marriages, that you would destroy the work of the flesh and the work of the enemy, which is trying to drive people apart. And instead of seeing them drift apart, that we would actually see a turnaround and them being drawn so much closer together. Father, for, the, for those, who, I mean, we spoke about making of love and, and, and entering into, into a physical um, union with one another. Father, I pray that these moments between husbands and wives would just be so spectacular. They would feel your pleasure over their entire mind, body, and spirit through those moments, Lord God. And that they would see a realm of your glory and freedom open up over their lives as we do this properly. As we do this your way, Father, I pray that wives would be able to come alongside their husbands and support them. Husbands would not, and not try to dra- uh, grab the reins. And for husbands, Lord, that they won't fight back, but, but, but show and prove to be trustworthy. Because we need to prove that we're trustworthy. We need to be tender, gentle, and loving, and trustworthy so that our wives can trust us. Father, I pray that all marriages in this room today would be realigned to look like your picture that we see through scriptures, how you lead us as the church and how we the church submit and support your purposes in this world. I declare over people, Lord, that there is freedom in marriage. There is freedom in how we are with each other. There is unity that would start to come, Lord, where there's been divide, where there's been angst, where there's been bickering, where there's been arguments. We destroy these things in the name of Jesus and we just release 
peace and life and light into every single marriage in this community. Be they here today or be they at home today or wherever they are on holiday, that if they, if they are part of our community church, we will see a transformation of marriages because you are making things right, because we are standing up and aligning ourselves with you. And we ask, Lord, that this would happen very quickly because we know there's an attack on marriages and we want to see marriages modeling out your way in this community and with each other and more so because we want to see the spaciousness over people's lives that live in this community today. Lord, may kids see mums and dads loving each other and may the next generation that follows beyond us actually see true, good, godly marriages that they can know is available and model their lives off. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the Messiah King. Amen. Amen. Thanks for, for letting me go a little bit over time. Um, we did let the worship go a bit longer, which was good. Um, and, I, and I ran out of time very quickly there. Um, but there's tea and coffee. Be blessed in how you go. Friends, when you walk out this door, we're walking into a new season in our nation. And it's going to be exciting. Amen.